This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parsha Mitzvah, everyone, 5782. This is going to be an interesting pusik to talk about and to deal with. And the truth is, I had my question, I had a question whether or not I should speak about it, but the we're going to do it in a way where I'm going to be speaking the words that we're going to speak about in Hebrew, and um, I'm going to try not to be very graphic, okay? Hopefully, that'll somewhat explain what I'm going to be doing tonight. Perak Tezvav, Pasek Tezayin. This is toward the end of Parshas Mitzorah. Typically, you speak about Parshas Mitzorah, you talk about Saras. Well, this week, we're going to be talking about Shechvah Zerah. The Pasek says, V'ish ki seitzim imenu If a man has that issue, V'rochatz v'mayim is kobasaro, he washes his body in water. The wording is specifically is rochatz v'mayim, in the water, as kobasaro, all of his flesh. The tomei at Erevini is considered tomei up until the evening. Now, obviously this is a form of tumor that comes from the body of a man, not from a woman, although it can come from a woman if she was with a man. The Ibn Ezra says the wording is either based on the words Shikhvas Tal in Parshvishalah, where the mun was surrounded by dew on top and on the bottom, right? Shikhvas Tal, that was the towel that came down from the heavens, as if it came down from the heavens itself, and so too, almost like Shachav, lie down on the earth itself, but it came down that way. Or in Eiv, Lamachas Lamadain, it says the words Mi Yashkiv which in the context of the Pasuk means who will cause it to rain by pouring out the barrels from above, by making that, those barrels of rain fall onto the ground. All the idea, the idea behind this is, is when something comes down from somewhere else, the word shachav would be used over here. And so too, this idea of zera, when this falls, that's the idea of what we're talking about here, that's where the tuma happens. Now the Malbim says it comes from the word shchiva. It means something simple. There is a power that all human beings have to allow another human being to form. That is our greatest power, our ability to create life. That's what we have. We have that ability. And that's from the zera, the seed that we have, just like a plant, in the same way that when one lies down, they have the ability to create another human being. That helps us define what is tame and what is not. By using that word, that helps us define what it is and what it isn't. If a Tame person, right, let's say, it is Tame, we'll say, whether he was with a man, woman, or not, it shouldn't make a difference whatsoever. That Zera that has the ability to form a child has the ability to do everything. And that's not necessarily what we're going to concentrate on today, the fact that there's Tuma involved over here, but it's something that all the posts can speak about what exactly defines what is Tame. Now Rashi says, this is a Gezeras Melech. Meaning, it's a decree from the king that such a thing makes a person tame. That the, the, the greatest act that we can do, creating a child and allowing a child to be brought into this earth, somehow is tame. It makes the person tame from being involved with it. That's unbelievable. Typically speaking, there's transferences of tuma. We see that by tumas mace. We see that by tumas mitzora. By tuma, there are different ways that tuma can be transferred from one person to another. This is a very strange way of transference of tuma from a husband to a wife, where the woman gets involved. She becomes tummy as well. It's strange that happens over here. Says Rashi, although it's an interesting situation, something that should not be in the normal realm of what makes a person tummy. Hakadosh 
Baruch Hu declares that both the man and the woman are considered Tameh, even though that's unbelievably strange because it is an act of Kedusha. The Targum Yonasan points out that a Rishona does not make a woman Tameh, only the second time on. The Gemara tells us that a woman can't become pregnant that from the first. And therefore, because of that, right, it must be, it's based on Yvonne Mustafa Lama that such a thing doesn't have the ability to make her tummy. Because again, the whole idea is that when you can have a child, that's when there's tumor. And if there's no child, then there's no tumor, so to speak. That's the idea behind it. And again, obviously, this has to be a question to everybody. What in the world is the connection be, between having a child and becoming tummy? The Shach wonders out loud together. He says, why such a thing would make a person tummy if it's a mitzvah sase, that doesn't mean it. There's something wrong with that. A mitzvah sase, and yet there's tumah involved. On the contrary, you'd think there'd be a bracha of asher kedeshanu v'mitzvosu for puravu, which is a mitzvah. A mitzvah sase, the right, so the first of the mitzvos of the 613. And even if a woman is unable to give birth, there's still a mitzvah of onah, which is a husband's chiv to his wife, which a person is supposed to have at all times. So that's why Rashi says it's a gzeris melech. There's something that's missing here that we have to figure out. So the Ramban says a chiddush. The chiddush is, he says, the reason why this is tameh is similar to tumas mace, when a person passes away. When the mekor is mushchas, when the source behind it has something wrong, even though the result is great, Nonetheless, if the makor is something wrong, therefore, such a tumor can come involved. A human being is a great human being, and the fact that he passed away should allow, when we know that the neshama has left the body, that should show us this guy's going to Gan Eden. He's going to the next world. That should be something that there should be no tumor involved. And yes, I understand that neshama has left, the goof is on its own, it's physical. But shouldn't that be something in which we say, no, there's no tumor involved. The body is now something different. It's in a different world. There's no tuma at all in such a case, but the Torah says there is because the absence of kedusha causes tuma. Says the Ramban in a very similar fashion. Although the result is something great, since the act has the the ideas of the Eitzahara involved, therefore there is tuma involved and a very big amount of tuma that allows a person to become tame from it. Chazal. In Mida, Davyud Gilmoed Aleph say that when one is not together with one's wife, that's considered murdering one's children. Such death that's involved in such a case, says the Shach, based on this Ramban, causes the tumor to come upon you. That's why he says there's no bracha before and etc. The Rekanti says it's almost as if the power of what could have been, what could have been, that child that could have been formed and that wasn't there, that's the idea behind it. Another reason that he brings up is this concept of the Yitzhahara. We know that the Yitzhahara gets us to do terrible things. We know that the Yitzhahara is never, never involved in good things for us. The result of what the Yitzhahara has for us, the plan of us beating him, is the greatest act that a person can do. Because again, the Yitzhahara is a malach, and the malach wants us to win. But he puts us in situations where we can't succeed. There's nothing we can do. And in those types of situations where the Yitzhahara is involved, even if he's minimally involved, but since he's involved in some way, shape, or form, since there's some type of ra here, some type of evil involved, that's what we say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us, that's where Tuma is here. David Melech says it in Tehillim Chav Zayin Pasuk Yud, this is in Ladavid Hashem Ori, so you'll probably recognize the Pasuk, Aviv Ve'imi Azavuni, 
My father and then my mother, they've forsaken me. They had the Yeri Sahara, and therefore I was formed Bituma, says David Amelech. Vashem Yahasfeni. HaKadosh Baruch who gathers me in and allows there to be Kedusha involved, Tov, together with the Ra. And that's why there are three partners in every human being, a father and a mother and a Kadosh Baruch who everyone is involved getting in over here. Rabbi Victor Miller says this, he points out a Rashi in Parshas Bullock, Perak Chav Gimel Pasuk Yud, the Pasuk says, Umispar es Rova Yisrael, that he counts the many people of Yisrael. Rashi says the unbelievable thing, and I'm not going to translate it, Hashem counts Revio Sehen. That a Kaddish Baruch who is involved in every aspect of our lives. He never turns away. And Bilaam is seeing this and looking at Klau Yisrael and saying everything. Hashem is involved in everything they do. There is nothing that you can hide from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Nothing. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu is seeing, involved in such a case where a sh- the Shekhinah is involved in every person giving birth. That's how holy we are. And that's how holy a people we are. We're told in, in Rashi, Parshish Re'i, Parak Yudala Pazagalaf, Atem Ru'uyin Lios Noyim Belogadudim Rukuharachim. We're not supposed to be cut, is the idea of Lotus Go to do. You're not supposed to have cuts all over your body. You're supposed to look good. You're supposed to look beautiful. There is no mitzvah in looking, making yourself look ugly and disgusting and keeping yourself away from other people. We're supposed to look as good as we're supposed to be. Says Rav Victor Miller. But because the instinct that we have, because of this beauty that we have, can be animalistic and used, and it's very powerful and can be used for tummy purposes, unless we have gained total control over it, which is almost an impossibility, you're dealing with the greatest of the great who have ever lived, within that, there has to be tumor. That's where Victor Miller's line, very similar to what the Shach said. And therefore, yes, even in that holiest act, even in the greatest that we can, we can be in, nonetheless, we still have to have control. We still have to have control. And says of Victor Miller, he gives a little soliloquy when it comes to this. He says, we see that the world has turned this act and everything about it into something unbelievably tame, where they've turned everything into it into something that's there to be made fun of, something that's disgusting, something that's absolutely disgusting. They've taken the holiness out of it. They took the vav out of the word kadosh and they turned it into kadesh, which is prostitution. They've turned it into the least holy act that you can imagine of just giving in to one's taivas, giving in to one's desires and doing whatever you want. Whatever a person wants. The reminder here is one of the most important things that a Kaddish Baruch Hu could have taught us. That even in this act, there must be holiness. There must be Kedusha. It cannot be Kedusha. And if it's treated that way, then everything else grows in a person's life. A person becomes greater. A person becomes better. So I had a meeting with Guard Your Eyes. Uh, GuardYourEyes.com. G-Y-E.com. Earlier today. And I've been waiting because I, I kept not having a time, not having time. And they're in Eretz Yisrael, so it was impossible to make meetings that worked for both of us. But finally, I had it today. I, I think it's obvious, and this is kind of the reason why I wanted to bring up this entire idea in this year. We all know what kind of world we're living in. We all know what kind of world we're living in just walking down the street, listening to the radio, or seeing billboards. Or if a person is downtown, what all of downtown is like. Yes, granted, it's still Chicago in... <laughs> April, and it's still freezing cold. I, I get that. But this world is filled, filled with that tumor that's right there opposite us. And we have a huge job, and it's an almost impossible job. It's a job that I would tell you honestly, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for failing. 
But there are so many resources out there to help a person, especially in the world that we're in, that everybody here is in, where if you have access to something that we might be able to see something which is inappropriate, that's what that program is. GYE.com, right, is an unbelievable, unbelievable resource where it's interactive, they're involved, everything's there, and I'm doing this on purpose. Like, I realize that I'm not, pl- I don't, I shouldn't be plugging anything, but it's something that I feel is extremely important, and because it has some type of shaykhis to this year, I am adding it on. Because it is. It's just part of our life. This is the life that we live in right now. The Sefer HaChinuch says in his Shor Shia Mitzvah that since this act, again, is only involving taivas, and our job is to be in this world and involve ourselves in as many muskalos, great things, wise things as we possibly can, it makes sense that when we do something that shows us turning to the side of taiva, turning to the side of tuma, that we should make ourselves tummy for a little bit just to understand, you know what, we got to get ourselves back on track. It's only tuma for a day, but that tuma for a day gets us back on track. Ezra was metaking a tvila for all balikari, for anybody that was involved in this. He said that a person cannot learn, cannot daven. You can't daven, you can't learn until a person goes to the mikvah. And although we don't hold of that, we hold like Rabbi Yudam Becerra in the Gemara and Rabbi Yudam Becerra Paskins in the Gemara that we're not metame for Torah and we are allowed to learn, we are allowed to daven, even when we're balikarian, even when we have this issue of, of Zerah. Nonetheless, nonetheless, it still shows that there's a Kedusha. Can you imagine? There were people back in the day who wouldn't do something usher because they knew they'd have to go to a mikvah because of it. So they wouldn't be involved in such things. They understood that there was a Kedusha involved in everything they did, and it was a deterrent as much as it was a help to make somebody more Kadosh after this is involved. In his country's Meiris Enayim, in Simon Samach Gimel, there's a Sefer in Ma'or Shemesh who quotes in Parshish Emor, he says, it's impossible, he says, to have Yira Amitis, real Yira. And this means not Yira as in I'm afraid that Hashem is going to punish me, but Yira is a Romamus, the exaltedness, understanding that Hashem is. It would be like meeting someone and you're so nervous to meet them, you just start shaking. I'll tell you, there was a guy who one time, he called me up, his mother called me up. Okay, his mother called me up. This boy was, I think, 16, 17 years old. Right? He called, his mother called me up and said, is this Rabbi Zimmerman? So I said, yeah, it is Rabbi Zimmerman. I go by Shlita if you can, so you should say that afterward, right? She said, I'd like you, you know, is it possible for you to talk to my son? He's a big fan of yours, and he really, li- he listens to your shirim religiously, and he really wants to meet you. Can he talk to you on the phone? I'm like, of course, right? Of course. The kid came on the phone, and you could hear, he's like, Rabbi Zimmerman, is this really you? I'm like, it is. How are you? You know, let's just call him Moshe. Moshe, how's everything going? Right? And he's just like, oh, you know my name? <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Nothing. And I'm just like, you should know. I'm a nobody. <laughs> I am not anything. But I could hear it. I heard this palpable fear. He's not afraid of me beating him up. Right? He doesn't know me. That's why. He was never in my shear. So he knows. He doesn't know, right, of anything like that. What he's afraid of, there's no fear. It's like, a, it's like an awe of, oh my gosh, this is the famous celebrity, the guy that I've always wanted to meet that's there. And I, I, I have, the only time that I felt that feeling was by Arnleib Steinman's Zatzal and by Rechaim Knievsky's Zatzal. Right? I, I didn't have that feeling about Yashiv, but it's probably because I was like being pushed every time I saw Yashiv. But everyone, when he was standing in the 
presence of greatness, right? Or fake greatness when it comes to me. But when you're standing in the presence of greatness, you feel that fear. And Yiramitis says the Sefer Meyuras Enayim to learn, to, to have that trepidation that almost there is impossible, he says, without Tvilas Ezra. Without Tvilas Ezra. Now this is, again, it's a Hasidish Sefer. And it's not something that we pass in La Lacha, so we have to remember this. It's not a chiyuv. But nonetheless, he says it's impossible. He says if he learns or davens without going to the mikvah after being a Valkyrie, he'll never be able to reach what he calls gufei Torah v'mitzvos, the actual Torah mitzvos. Do you hear this idea? How strong they feel about such a thing? How strong he is about such an idea? If he's learning Sifrei Kabbalah, he says, without being metire himself, it could cause him to become an apikoros. And he said, this is the issue of what happened with Shapsai Tzvi. If you ever wonder what happened to Shapsai Tzvi, he was learning Kabbalah. He was able to do all these crazy things using Shemos of Hashem in the most wondrous ways. How could he have gone off? And the answer is, because he simply put, never was Matira himself. He never allowed himself to become Tahor. And because he didn't do it, Therefore, all of the things he was learning was counteracting with the tumor that was within him and it just knocked each other out to become, make him become a false messiah. Claimed that he was going to become a, a false messiah. That's why the Baal Shem Tov and the Noam Elimelech, who only lived 50 to 100 years after the Shabzai Tzvi, after Shabzai Tzvi did everything he did in this world, they only lived not too long afterwards. They were mockbid, mockbid the person does this feel. And they said the only reasons they were mevatal in the times of the Gemara was because Rov HaTzibor wasn't able to handle it. They weren't able to do it. They weren't able to do it. But if you are, if you're able to, you'll find success in everything you do. Now the truth is, it's really difficult for us nowadays to really excuse ourselves. Yes, we're Eastinism. And the world is gone where it's, it's not possible for us to go more than two days without taking a shower. And if you are, I suggest you start taking a shower, right? It's almost impossible. You can go coast to coast, you know, like you can do that. It's just disgusting. We, you can always smell the person. Sweaters don't hide that. I just want everyone to know, okay? Sweaters don't hide that. Everybody can tell if that happens, okay? That, that's, that's 100%. So it, it, it can't be. We understand that. But nonetheless, can you imagine these people are going to the mikvah in freezing cold temperatures, Freezing cold temperatures in mikvahs that were, ugh, you couldn't believe them. They were just holes in the ground. Is anybody, you've been to the Arizal's mikvah, right? Right. And I realized the Kedusha behind it, but it's freezing cold, freezing, and it's a cave. Granted, it looks a little bit better now. They redid it a little bit, but it's still a cave. That's all it is. And that's the norm. That was like the best of the McVos because it was clean, because it was fresh water going in all the time. We have fresh water. And I know, I know it looks a little murky on a Friday afternoon, you know, a couple hours before Shabbos. I get that. You can go at 11. Go a little bit earlier. If we can get involved in this, this is something. If a person can involve himself in Kedusha Vitara, it's not going to hurt. It's only going to help. Only going to help. Now, Rashi and Chagiga, Yud Gamal says the word Bamayim, which is mentioned in this Pasuk, is with a patach, which means it's special water. It can't just be any water. It's got to be special water. You've got to dip yourself in a mikvah for that reason. It can't just be a pool. It's got to be in a mikvah. And Mayim Shuvin is not enough to make him taller. That means drawn water from pipes, from buckets, etc. is not enough to make himself taller. However, he does not need Mayim Chaim, which means a spring, a natural spring, like the Arizal's mikvah. You don't need something like that. Any mikvah will do as long as was made from rainwater in a kosher fashion, etc. The Malvin points out that the word Bamayim has been mentioned many times in the Parsha before this. But it's interesting. He says, Rashi says this drusha only now, in this Pasuk, when it comes to a Balkari, and the reason why is because the trup on top of the word of Bamayim, 
is normally a, an asnachta, a sof pasuk, or something that stops the pasuk. I mean, there's a question of how to write the word at the end of a sentence, and it's usually with a patach, ba mayim, instead of bim mayim. It's the end of a pasuk, it's almost always ba mayim with a patach. This is the only time where the word bamayim is not the end of a pasuk, and yet it has a patach. It's a darga severe. It's a sphere, right? Bama'ayim, right? That's how it's supposed to be. And it's still with a patach. That's where the drusha comes from. To say that it's a patach, special water, patach is like, meaning in the, as opposed to just in water. In the water, you can say that if it's in the middle of a pasuk, but at the end of a pasuk, it's going to be a little different. Says the Malden, this is the first time that we've seen the word bama'ayim in the middle of a pasuk with a regular trup. And therefore, it means something special. It's got to be a mikvah. Targum Yonason says, he's, the one that we have on this passage that says, it must be the size of 40 sa'ah, 40 sa'ah together. That's the amount of water that would fit into, that would fit into a kli that's one amma long by one amma wide by three ammas tall, which is supposed to be the amount that a person could go into. The Rokeach even brings down a gematria. He says, Barachat Bamayim plus Kolel plus that extra one is 397. And it's the same gematria of Uba Arboim sa'ah. Right? In 40, 40 saws altogether. Now, Rechanan Wasserman wonders if a saw, 40 saw, is the sure of an actual mikvah, that it actually contains that amount of water, even if you will not be tovel in that actual amount. Meaning, the water is attached, but you can't tovel in one area that has 40 saws. In other words, there's a larger area where you have, let's say, 39 saws, and there's one saw over here that's attached. But it's like the steps leading down into the mikvah itself. So it's 40 suz altogether, but it's only 39 suz where the body can actually go. So Rokhan Wasserman wonders, is it 40 saw altogether in the place where you're tovel? Or does it have to be 40 suz just that amount? Which one is it? Which one is it? Is a chiv of 40 suz exactly? He says, there's something called tit hanarok which is mud on the bottom of the mikvah. You know, there was a, a Holocaust survivor, Mr. Weiss. If anybody knows the Gardens, it's their grandfather, Mrs. Garden's father, who was a Holocaust survivor. He used to sit next to me in shul, and he, talked to, he was talking to me about, it was Erev Yom Kippur, I think, when I was a kid. I might have been 12, 11. It was before I was in yeshiva. So 12, 11, maybe 13 years old. And he was talking to me about what had happened when he was, in, when he was back in Europe, before the war, before World War II had started. And he told me, he said he was sent on a mission. I can't remember the name of the Rebbe. I can't remember it. But I, I, some Rebbe had sent him on a mission. He was maybe 13, 14 years old. He had a mission. He had to go and whatever it was. So he went. And Erev Yom Kippur, he went to go do what the Rebbe told him to do. When he came back, it was right before the Suda Mavsekas. Right? So he had to go to the mikvah. And Erev Yom Kippur, the mitzvah was to go to the mikvah. So he said he went to the mikvah, and the mikvah was one big mud pile. That's all it was. Just massive amounts of mud. There was water, but it was just mud. After all the people of the town had been to the mikvah, and the mikvahs were not very good, it was just a huge mass of mud. So I said, see, you didn't go? He said, not go to the mikvah on Erev Yom Kippur? He looked at me so incredulously, like he had eyes wide open. Not go to the mikvah? Of course I went. Of course. I said, but what did you do? He said, I got it all over me. It's this mud that still is technically liquidy, but he got at everything. And I said, what did you do afterward? He said, I took a towel and I wiped myself off afterward. That was it. What else was I supposed to do? Right? <laughs> That's 
Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Right? So it says, Tita Narok says Rochanu Wasserman, technically can be Mashlim the Shear, which means that if you don't have 40 saws, there are 38 saws of actual water. But there are two saws of watery mud that you would still be able to go into, that Tita Narok that empties out into the area itself. It's still, right, a question whether you're tall or not. It's a question based on Sukkah Yutasima Bays. So, if it works, then that proves you don't actually need a shear as long as that's around. If it doesn't work, then it seems that you do need to go into an actual area that has 40 saws, which means if there's a step and then a step and part of that, but you can't dip into that part, you'd have to dip in that part, Rabbi Chanawasim would say it would be based on that machlokus about Tidinarok. He also says something interesting. There are some people who are smaller, who obviously would fit into a mikvah that's not 40 saws. Is 40 saws a chiyuv for every single person, no matter what their size is? Like a child, a child who's 12, 13 years old, who's a little bit smaller. If that child, can that child will fit inside a mikvah that's smaller? He could probably fit in a mikvah that's 20 saws. Can he go in a mikvah that's 20 saws? Or is 40 saws a shear that's dafka for every person, no matter what? And you have to be inside a sukkah that's 40 saws. It sounds like, it sounds like medial raisa. You just have to be in a mikvah that fits you, where you would fit in. Midorabanan, the rabbi said, 40 saws. That's what it has to be. But already that becomes a little bit of a Shiloh. Because since the Torah only says, as kol bisaro, your flesh, seemingly it would be subjective to you. And if you happen to fit in, so too, if you're og melech abashan. Can og melech abashan tovel in a mikvah that's 40 saws? He needs more than 40 saws. But 40 saws is what it says. If a person is super huge, is a 40 saw mikvah enough to be tovel him if he barely fits inside, if he squeezes himself into a little ball and goes in? Or does he need a mikvah that would fit his size body, right? Meaning whatever his size body would be, and it would be more than 40 saws. He has a tzarachian at the end, whether that would be so, right? But it's a great question to figure out exactly what it is, what exactly would be the status of all this. Now the Balaturim says the words, Berochatz is kobisaro, plus the kola, plus one, is the gematra, it's 1356, 1356, as that he cannot have a chatzitza. There could be nothing in between his flesh and his hair and the water itself. The Rokach says the wording is actually then it's not off by one. But whatever the wording is, that there shouldn't be a chatzitza. And we learn from this Pusik that a person can't have a chatzitza. Now, medial raisa, if we were going to the mikvah medial raisa, and that means women when they're going for their nida, nida issues, or if a man would go for a ziva or a mitzora or balkari, we don't have this nowadays, but if they would go for tumas mace or anything, right, if they would be going to a mikvah, do, are they allowed to have a chatzitza or not? Obviously, no. What is a chatzitza? There are huge halachas when it deals with that. That's what any rav who deals with Hilchus Nida will have to know. What's considered a chatzitza? Is a false tooth a chatzitza? Is a scab a chatzitza? Are stitches chatzitzos? If a person has stitches and then has to go to the mikvah, what's that law? Now again, by men, nowadays, it's not an issue. We don't eat kachim and taros, right? We're not going to the mikvah after seven days for ziva or one day for balkari, etc. Even if we go, it's only at best, at best, it's a minig of what they were doing back in the day as opposed to a chiyuv, right, to be going to the mikvah. And therefore, we're not makbid on chatzitzas. You can, in theory, wear a hairnet when going to the mechitza for ourselves when going. The only time there's a possible shayla is Erev Yom Kippur. 
Erev Yom Kippur going to the mikvah might be a Dilraisa. That's a Shiloh. So on Erev Yom Kippur, when you go to, I'm not saying if, when you go to the mikvah, when you go to the mikvah, you should make sure that there is nothing, your hair can be combed through, that everything's taken care of on your body, and that you have no chatzitzas, right? That's the best thing to do. Is it required? It's not absolutely required. It's still a Shiloh, whether it's a deal rice or not. But it's something that we keep in mind, that an Arab Yom Kippur, because it's a possible deal rice, you should try to have your body as clean as possible so there's nothing interrupting between you and the water. Yeah, Dave. It doesn't matter. We don't do that anymore. Because remember, too much mace... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because anyway, for Tumas Mesuni Paraduma ashes, the only issue that water would come in would be toward the very end, we're metar ourselves, etc. But it has no shaykhis because we really only just do by sprinkling the Paraduma ashes on the person. We don't have that. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, this is a Mishnah in Brachos, right? If a Zav who's a Balkari should it go to the Mikvah for the Balkari, even though there's still a Zav, right? Or a Mitzorah who also has Kari, right? That's the Mishnah, right? And Chavav, Chav Zayin. So it's, it's a Mishnah. It's a straight-out Mishnah. But we do it. Yeah, we 100% do it. Taimit Akra wonders why we're learning about Chatzitzas here. Why here? This is not the only time we talk about the mikvah throughout the Torah. Why is this over here? He says, the reason why is because of what the person is involved with. I'm even Yavin, it's involved over here. There's a Rashi in Yuma, Peiches, and Aleph, Muggin, Avram, and Simon, Ayin, Vav, Sifkat, and Zion. And that's why I make the drush over here. That's how Rechaim puts it, when it makes a tremendous amount of sense. Now, Tom Vidas, where Sternbuch, tries to learn a lesson from all this. He says, there is an unbelievable remez here, a hint to what this is all about. Tefillah doesn't work when a person is very dirty. You have a chatzitz on, you have mud on you, it's not going to work. You can go down the mikvah, right? And it's not going to work whatsoever. It's like going to the mikvah with a rat in your hands. You have a dead rat holding in your hands, and you're going down to the mikvah, right? You come back up, you're still holding the dead rat. You're matami yourself right after you come out from the mikvah itself. So what a person needs to do is prepare his body properly for going to the mikvah. You have to prepare yourself. And if you don't prepare yourself, you just jump into the mikvah, you're going in in the wrong way. You're not matari yourself. He says it's the exact same thing when it comes to purifying your soul by learning. You can't just jump into learning. I used to give this as a Musr Shmuz, where I once was walking to the base matters and I saw a guy come in, base matters guy, he was driving in his car, coming into the parking lot, blasting rap music. Blasting it. Blasting. And it wasn't even like clean rap music. It was horrible rap music. Horrible, right? He parked his car and then saw me and he's like, oh, Rebbe, you ready to learn? I'm like, I am. There's no way you can go from that to this. There's no way. You can't translate one to the other. It's impossible. You can't do that. Says Rav Sternbuch, the only way to prepare yourself properly for learning, I don't mean looking at a Gemara and saying, that's what Rava says. No, I don't mean that. I mean learning and understanding what's going on to tell a Machlokas Rashi Tosfos to get into and involved in a sugya is the only way is to prepare yourself to get in there. You can't jump in the mega. You have that music in your head. You have those scenes on your in your eyes, there's no way. You have a sheritz in your hands. You literally have a dead rat and you're using it to find the place in the Gemara. It's like you take the little tail of the rat, take that tail of the rat and you find the place and you're just pouring it all the way through. That's what you're doing. You're doing it. Squeezing that dead rat, right? Squeezing it as you're going through. And if that's disgusting, yes, that is disgusting. How could we do such a thing? That's the idea behind it. That's what Sternbrook is saying. The only way is to be metar ourselves, to prepare yourself beforehand, to get yourself ready for it. And Ravigdor Miller says, if that's true, we can understand another purpose of the mikvah. The lesson for us to do tshuva, bathe and cleanse yourselves. It makes sense. When you're dirty, you take a bath, you take a shower. 
You, you go to the mikvah to get rid of the dirt, the, the, the tumah that's clinging to you. That makes sense to, in a whole sense of what tshuva is. Cleanse yourself. Make yourself better. Get rid of all that. If you don't immerse entirely, let's say you just put your leg inside. And you say, well, I got my leg. My leg is tahor. My leg is sore. No, none of you is tahor. There's no part of you that's sore. What do you mean? I had my entire body in except for one hair. There's one hair that stayed out. And you mean to tell me that I'm not Tahor? The answer is no, you're not Tahor. If you don't immerse yourself entirely, you can't become Tahor. The only way to become Tahor is to have your entire body enwrapped in the mikvah itself. And that's what it means to do tshuva, but not fully. A guy goes ahead and says, Oh, man, all right. I'm not going to eat Basu B'cholov anymore. Except on Mondays. Except on Mondays. Mondays... For dinner, I'm going to have one bit of bus of but that's it. I'm never going to eat bus of on any other day of the week. Now, maybe that's a mile from where the guy's coming from, but that's not tshuva. That can't be tshuva. That's not the way anybody does tshuva because you're not improving yourself. It's insincere in where you are. You don't contact your inner emotions and feelings and superficially just do things because that's the right thing to do. Tshuva means getting your entire body immersed in the mikvah and fully ensconcing yourself in a world where you can be matire yourself. That's the idea behind it. That's what Rabbi Miller puts it. Now, Rabbeinu Bachaya says that this is the only tuma in the Torah that uses the word kol bisaro when referring to going to the mikvah. All of your flesh. Even a zav, which is a stricter tumor than Balkari, zav is this disease that comes from the same area, but nonetheless is something a little bit different. Even a zav who has seven days of, of tumor, nonetheless does not have the words kolbisaro. The words kolbisaro does not appear over here. He says the reason why is an unbelievable reason. I'm not going to go through everything. You should look up the Ravina Baha'i yourself. A person is made up of ruach, mayim, ashen, afor. All four of those different elements, especially in the, that order, Ruach, then Mayim, then Asian, then Afor. He says, because it's the first of the four, the Ruach is involved in each one, meaning the Ruach is involved in the Mayim. The Ruach and Mayim in the Ash, the Ruach and Mayim, Ash in the Afor. And each one of them are connected to one another. Each time a person does something wrong, the Ruach is involved, and therefore you have to get rid of that Ruach. The problem with Ruach is, that if you have any, and we know this, you take a bottle that has air in it and you put it inside, a, inside water. What ends up happening to the air? It'll bubble up to the top, right? Until finally it has to push its way out. If you don't entirely put the entire clay inside and get rid of all the air, there will always be air remaining inside that clay, right? Everybody knows that. That's the purpose of why we have to pu- fully put ourselves in a mikvah. If the ruach... The spirit of our body is what's tame, and that's the part of us that causes us to sin. If we go down into the mikvah and keep our heads out, then the ruach goes to our heads. If we put down our head completely, but it's up to the hair, the hair has that ruach. Even if it's one hair, the ruach remains on that hair. When I come out of the mikvah, the ruach comes right back down. If I wash my hands in the morning, and I have that ruach atuma that's on my hands. If I wash the hands and I don't get the tips, I just get this part right over here, then the ruach remains on the tips of my fingers. That's exactly what happens. That's why we have to move it, do it in such a way where we make sure that we get the tips of our fingers when we come to washing our hands. For this reason, the ruach will remain there if you don't get your entire body involved. 
So he goes on about why that's specifically by this, by Balkari, etc. But it's an unbelievable Rabbeinu Bechaya. The Meshachachma suggests, okay, there's another suggestion. If you want to look up the Meshachachma, it's not here, it's by Zov. But regardless, the Meshachachma over here as well. The Paris Yosef said he heard from the Gera Rebbe himself. He didn't say which Gera Rebbe it was, or if he did, I forget. I'm not sure which one. He said in the year 1931, 1931, that a person would be allowed to go to the mikvah in the Be'er Shomirim, the well of Miriam. You were allowed to go to the mikvah. Now, first of all, you knew that from the Miamloes. Miamloes says the Be'er Shomirim made huge pools outside every one of the Shvatim. It divided up the Shvatim and was little rivers that ran through everybody so they could divide up where the Shvatim were, where everybody was, etc. And they went to the mikvah, he says, inside those areas, those tiny little rivers that went throughout the desert to help in Yisrael, those rivers were where they were tovel. So it says that in the Miam Loes. But the Paris Yosef said, the Ger Rebbe said, you can tovel in the Be'er Shomirim. And the Paris Yosef was wondering, what's the Hava mean that you wouldn't be able to? Why would you think you couldn't? Why would the Be'er Shomirim not work? Of course the Be'er Shomirim should work. What, what would, somebody would think that a Be'er, a, a Be'er, a well, especially the well of Miriam, wouldn't be good enough to be a mikvah itself? And he says... What's the reason why Mayim Shuvin is possible? Why is Mayim Shuvin drawn water? Why is that a problem? Why? Because a person pours the water. It's a kli. It's koacha adam, as opposed to the koach of the Mayim itself. It's a koacha adam. And because I'm drawing that water and then pouring it into the mikvah or through a pipe, drawing it into a mikvah itself, that's problematic. That seems to be a problem. That's the Mayim Shuvin. A Be'er Shomirim. How did the Be'er Shomirim start? How did the Be'er start working? Because Moshe Rabbeinu hit it, hit the rock. That's Koach Adam. So maybe the Be'er Shomirim has the status of Mayim Shuvin, which obviously is questionable, right? Yeah, it's not exactly the same. But he says that could be that it's referring to the idea. He says it's possible that we don't understand our Koach Meaning, we're looking at Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock, right? Obviously, it's not the way. It's through the tefillos of Klai Yisrael. They needed water, and that's how the water came out. We think of it like this. <laughs> it's amazing. I think of it as, I take a cup of water. I pour that cup, right? I take that cup. I get water in the cup, and then I pour it out. I think that's, that's me. That's what I did. But our tefillah, I daven for someone to get better, and the person gets better, right? I didn't really do anything. Right? Because I don't really have a power of tefillah. It doesn't count as really much at all. And that might be true. But our power is something a lot more than that. When we daven properly and speak those words out with our mouth, we say a refuah shlema for somebody, you give a yihirat zone for somebody, it's the same level as me taking a cup and pouring it out. It's like I'm saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, here it is, take care of it for me. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing the rest. You're opening up the spigot, so to speak, and allowing the water to come forth. That's the power of someone's tefillah. Now, I would think that's mamish koach adam to the point where I can't even go to the mikvah in that water. Kamash Malan said the Ger Rebbe, no, it's still considered HaKadosh Baruch Hu's miracle. Even though you daven for it, even if you hit it, it's not considered like Mayim Shuvin. It still doesn't have that. But that doesn't mean the Koach HaTzfila is any less. The Koach HaTzfila is still there. And we'll end with this. There's a funny question from the... Uh, you know what? I'm going to end with this. If you want to see it, the Shalos Yachov. 
It's in the Bardis Yosef itself. He just brings down the concept of Chul and Altaras HaKadosh on Shabbos afternoon, how you could have, okay, whatever it is. It's not for right now. But if you want to look it up, it's a funny question. A funnier answer, but a funny question to go through. But altogether, everybody, the idea is two things that we learned. Number one, even Tuma has a purpose. And even Tuma, after something like something like the most powerful thing in the world, if the Yitzhahara is involved, there's still going to be Tuma involved. And number two, the power of a mikvah. What a mikvah can do and what a mikvah has the ability to change a person, how it can make somebody into something completely different. Shabbat everyone. If you can go to the mikvah tomorrow, it's a highly suggest. This is a high suggestion. For this week's parsha, where we learn about the mikvah, it would be a great thing for people to go to the mikvah tomorrow. Shabbat everybody. Have a good Shabbos.